I might not suggest using email for this particular audience because they're between 16 and 18. And obviously from a brand perspective, that's not really uh, how you would want it to be. Um, you would want to own the entire funnel, right, for your customers. So it's a perfect example. I think eight, like 80% of your like classic media buying will be AI-driven or is already AI-driven. Navigating social media can be, well, complicated. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast from Cupco. Social media. Social media. Social media. Sucks. Where we unpack the latest trends and help remove the suck from social media. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast by Cupco. You're tuning in for a dose of marketing and to get what's happening in the social media industry. We talk to the brightest minds in the marketing industry to bring you the latest insights. With me today is Rasmus Freulund Thompson, who is a skilled professional with extensive experience in e-commerce strategy, marketing tech, and online marketing, including SEO, SEM, and then affiliate marketing. And then, as always, of course, we have our CEO, Chris Kopernus. Thank you both for coming. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this again, Rasmus. Those of you who don't know, it, we've done this once already, but we had some technical issues. So now we get a, uh, a second round to, to try to get it right. So, uh, yeah, let's see how this goes. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully I'll say something more clever this time and come maybe. up with better, or maybe, better, I, I better examples. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe that's why we're yeah that's why we're recording it a second time actually is because Chris didn't say anything <laughs> valuable so we were like ah fuck we have to do it again. <laughs> it won't be any better. No. And welcome to the podcast. Cast. <laughs> okay, guys, let's uh, let's just start with uh, it's going to be a little bit technical and maybe a little bit nerdy for some of the audience out there, but I know you guys uh, have it in you at least. So can you tell us a little bit about how the businesses can shift from a channel first mindset to a more customer focused approach, given the data that's available right now? Uh, yeah, well, the long story I'll spare, um, but the short story is that most companies already have this data available. Um, most most uh, most brand and customers actually already know a lot about their customers um, and can actually use that data to uh, bring insights to activities, uh, to branding campaigns, to tactical e-commerce driven campaigns. Um, so, um, so I think a lot of that is available. I think the biggest issue is maybe actually connecting those boxes that hold that data um, and actually mm. understanding how you can use it. Mm. Do um, you have any so um, you say advice? Sorry, I was going to um, ask, like, when you say what kind of data they have, do you, sorry to cut you off, but when you say what kind of, like, what kind of data are they actually sitting on? Like, what what do well, they have? I think they have, um, well, for e-commerce specifically, obviously, they have uh, e-com specific data in terms of uh, product sales, unit metrics in terms of economy in, in their uh, in their warehouse. Um, they have customer insights in terms of, who are actually buying, what is the frequency of buying, what is the size of their f first or repeat purchase, um, what is their customer lifetime value, what is their um, frequency of buying in terms of how often do they repurchase. Uh, re um, then I think they sit on a lot of uh, insights and a lot of data in third-party systems that might not be 
possible to integrate today the way it was before. Mm. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of insights in in uh, demographics and geographics in terms of data that you can actually might not be able to integrate directly, but at least you might be able to actually get some insights into what is working and for who um, <clears throat> that that you can actually yeah. take advantage of. So, cool. um, so I think and if you run campaigns, you have all that data available. So, um, yeah. Mm. Nice. How do you think we can improve customer lifetime value? How can we, which experiences we can provide in this data frame setting? And then especially, you know, as we know, the black box are kind of shrinking in this day and age. Well, I think the first step is actually acknowledging that most brands doesn't know. Um, and that you might need some data crunching and actually getting that data available to you. Um, but if you have uh, sales data with customer with customer uh, connection, then Excel is your friend uh, in this world. Um, obviously, there's a lot of third-party systems that can extract those system that those data into uh, into the system and actually crunch those numbers. Um, I think. Problem is that you might not actually know that that it's actually available to you. Um, so you can build audiences based on frequency of buying, their buying habits. What did they buy last? What can you sell them this time? Um, so um, for those of you who didn't notice that we recorded a couple of weeks ago, I'll use the fridge metaphor again. That one was so good. If you, if was you bought a fridge, yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you buy a fridge. When is it time to get your fridge accessories? Um, and fun story for targeting. Same day, I got ads for uh, for fridge accessories. So they yeah, actually of exist. Course yeah, of yeah. course you did. Of course you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. So, I'm not saying they're listening in, but yeah, they're listening. They're they listening. Might... We we talked about this like. They're they're definitely listening into what what our conversations are and and uh, feeding us uh, some ads. So um, yeah, yeah, exactly. but uh, yeah, so yeah, so but you're right. I mean, I think that um, what's interesting to me is you said like Excel is your friend, and I think you know marketers. Some marketers run for the hills when they have to deal with Excel, which uh, I appreciate. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm one of those marketers that is not a big fan of Excel. I'm more on the creative side, but. But I do think like just crunching the numbers, just getting in there, understanding, okay, what is, you know, what is actually going on here? Mm -hmm. um, and, and thinking a little bit in terms of the customer pain or the customer needs and the journey that they're on after they purchase or you know, mm. what things will they need and what things won't they need and when will they need those things? Um, I think there's a lot of work that brands can do to make that even better and, and really focus in on on that and, and provide the right marketing at the right time uh, so that you are hitting people that are in the market for certain things and not just wasting your marketing efforts on people that probably don't need that thing. No. And I think a lot of it, well, it's easy when you're in an agency because obviously you have more than one client, so you don't work for one brand. Um, so you don't use yourself as an example of, how would I purchase this product? So you'll actually have to deal with uh, Gen Z or Gen X uh, customers mm. and say, okay, so I might not suggest using email for this 
particular audience because they're between 16 and 80. So that might not okay. be the channel for it. But I think a lot of it also comes down to, okay, so, well, my buying frequency of X product is this. So I'll use that as at a starting point, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the people on the other side actually look at it that way. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to actually looking at your own brand or your own customers from an outside perspective um, and really getting your feet dirty. And that will require some Excel, um, but you will gain great insights into how the purchase behavior is so that you can actually use that to build even better creatives and better campaigns. Yeah, I love that. And I think an important point is that, you know, when we talk about different demographics or we talk about different, you know, buyer types or different, you know, personas, you know, it's also important to understand that within that there's also cohorts and there's also, you know, separate sort of buyer personas within certain demographics. And then on mm. top of that, you have, you know, some people like to consume emails. Some people like to consume podcasts. Some people like to consume video. Exactly. Some people like to, like, like to go down to the store. Some people don't like to shop in the store. Like, so you really have to work on the data, work on, you know, how do you also maximize each of those things so that you're able to reach people in the right places. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm curious too when we talk about all this data and how to find the data and extract it. There's also this uh, GDPR and other privacy cookie issues that's leading to less control over data nowadays. Do you guys have any idea on how businesses can then innovate in their marketing strategy to kind of, you know, um, yeah, drive around it? Well, I think. I'll go first. Um, I think a lot of it boils down to what you're missing is the third party dependency. Um, so actually having first part data. So only so actually owning your own customer data and being able to do analysis on that um, is obviously solving a lot of that issue. Um, and then I think a, a huge missed opportunity for brands and and in general is like zero part data where you actually go out and ask it's like why don't you nps score all your all your existing and new customers um mm. so that you actually know what is it that turns them on and what is it that turns them off um because that will give you better insights into how your campaigns are driving traffic and and uh, acquisition uh, in general right. Yeah, I think the first party data thing is interesting, right? Because so many brands have sort of given their data, not given their data away, maybe a little bit of given their data away to the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, same thing, but TikTok. Uh, and then even, you know, giving that away to Jeff Bezos and uh, other places because they don't own their own e-commerce platform or their shop, you know, all their purchases or all their customers are in this, you know, other e-commerce platform. And I think we've just seen that with the switch with GDPR and, and uh, brands just saying like, okay, we need to own this data. We need to get on top of this. Otherwise, we've, we're so far removed now from what our customers want and need that we are losing uh, strategically on what products to develop, how to make a great offer, what to sell, when to sell it. And they're just, you know, they're losing control of that. And I think we've seen a massive switch towards, okay, 
we need to own our own platforms, own our own data. And the GDPR thing is maybe helped accelerate that thing a bit so that they, you know, they've actually like taken control of this now, which I think is smart. Yeah, I agree. I think GDPR and all the like cookie legislation has obviously kind of accelerated it, but I think it wasn't like, well, before it was more a question of you didn't have to do it because you could actually just let the third party platforms actually drive your new customer acquisition. Um, mm. But now, but now that data is not available to the platforms and I see a lot of brands kind of saying, okay, but, but now we have zero insights um, and, mm. and the platforms can't help them. Um, and they have yeah. no insights into their own customers. Um, and I'll say, just like it happened in Norway, where they, where the, uh, what do you call that, the data uh, protection agency in, in Norway closed down like third party integrations into Facebook um, and ads. Um, if we see that in Denmark, I think a lot of uh, like e-com only companies that are heavily reliant on on actually driving growth on that data foundation will be uh, fucked so is that what okay, happened in tell- norway though do we have a case from norway where they've actually like had a real hard time growing new customers well they That's closed that? down yeah they, they closed down for a period so they kind of set the uh the setup on halt to actually to figure out, okay, so should we change the legislation to actually set some limitations into how that could actually work? Um, but I don't, I don't know, know if that is, that's going to change in the rest of the uh, European Union. Okay, interesting. Um, so you mentioned this, right? As, uh, as, as someone starting out in e-commerce, what data should they then what data should they prioritize to have when you say like some of them are just fucked if they don't know they don't have any insights what should they specifically look for should is it frequency or what customer value lifetime value all these sorts of things what do you think is the most essential that they have insights to about their customer um well i think a lot of it comes from like one-to-one purchase data because mm. basically uh, all those like acronyms can actually be calculated based on you know who the customer is by name or email or telephone number or some uh, or some account id uh, and you know their purchases um over time um and then from that you can basically enrich that data obviously um but you know what products they're purchased, you know the frequency of their buying behavior. Um, so I think a lot of it comes to actually taking what's freely available to you as a brand. Um, if you, Obviously, if you own your own e-com platform um, and actually use that. Um, I talked to a, a client today like, okay, so maybe maybe we'll just, maybe we don't want to ask if, um, if it's a man or a woman. But maybe first name indicates, maybe we'll go in that direction to actually just use data that we have available. Um, mm-hmm. If you have address data, you can enrich that with, uh, with household income. Um, you can enrich that with mm-hmm. other types of interest uh, layers. Um, 
and mm. and actually use that <clears throat> to, to do uh, more to do more with what you have do more with what you have and i think also maybe ask um, <laughs> because people are not reluctant to give insights into their interests or their buying behavior and maybe you'd say okay maybe we'll do a, a competition or we will give do a giveaway and and ask for information about how we can improve our product or our services mm. um but maybe there's a question lying there that says well um you bought x a month ago what will make you buy again um mm. so maybe asking isn't obviously you wouldn't get 100% uh, of of people responding discount um, i think but, the answer will be discount yeah <laughs> yeah that, it depends how you ask right it depends on how and what if, you buy it's it's yeah yeah exactly if it's back to the fridge right so you basically know what fridge they're buying uh what type of accessories do you want a bottle or a bottle holder or or something else um mm. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's smart actually. I never thought about that that you can kind of get make some assumptions, you can kind of also uh just start enriching the data more and more with with certain things. Actually having like an, a data enrichment plan of some kind like if you know that you're going to get customers in this way or that way, actually having a plan to okay, this is the things that we can do to actually enrich this data and get closer to to, to more smart, you know, decision-making regarding what to sell. When yeah. To sell, and and if you sell. combinate your e-commerce data with your email marketing data, then all of a sudden, you know, okay, so maybe our frequency is too high on campaigns. Maybe we don't get interactions on all their, mm -hmm. all, all the, uh, all the send outs. Maybe we'll ask them what, what type of, maybe give them an option to set their own frequency. Um, yeah. Maybe you know that they're buying on discount. Maybe you wouldn't want to give them a new product launch um, if you know that they're buying on discount. Maybe you get better insights in actually segmenting your your customer base based on how they interact with your brand or your product. If you buy a fridge every five years and that's the only thing you have bought, okay, so maybe not remind them that there's a new fridge on sale like three months later. Maybe... Mm -hmm not send them something that will just um, make them unsubscribe. Um, maybe send them something that is relevant or maybe not send them anything at all. You don't buy a new fridge every year? <laughs> if it's a bad quality fridge. That. Yeah, yeah. No. If you buy bad quality fridges, then you might need to buy one every year. Yeah, yeah. I like a fridge subscription. Like every 12 years. A fridge subscription, yeah. We have a brand new <laughs> business model. Yeah, you know, are you tired New fridge of every the year. same old fridge every year after year? <laughs> Get our fridge subscription model. New fridge every year, just delivered. Yeah, actually, but maybe then you work. Yeah, because then yeah. you don't have to clean your fridge. I mean, then you actually maybe you don't have to clean it as often. You just dispose it. Are you dispose tired of it. cleaning your fridge every year, yeah. once a year? Then just get rid of it. Here's your subscription <laughs> service. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's good, good retention, though. That's good retention, and then uh, yeah. that's a perfect segue into my next question, <laughs> which is, which is customer acquisition versus customer at, uh, retention. Let's say it really depends on the product you're selling, obviously. But uh, let's say you have created this new customer base. Do, should businesses in e-commerce 
keep keep um keep their focus on getting more customers or should they then switch gears to customer retention where do we put our x i think in uh in in the like the media landscape and like we talked about before about how these data third-party platforms and their capability of actually targeting people that are likely to buy i think um, obviously, it's not like I say, oh, you should not do new customer acquisition. I think a lot of mm. what you can do is actually use your existing data or your existing customers to both obviously have a high retention rate in terms of repurchase um, or ambassadors on loyalty. Um, but the more you know about how those frequencies are, you, the more enriched your new customer acquisition audiences can be. And you can mm -hmm. base them on your own data instead of being like, okay, so we'll do interest-based targeting. Um, so you might be able to say, okay, but I have an audience that, that these types of people actually are more liable, uh, more of a, what do you call that? Um, more likely to uh, to do a purchase, um, um, but it obviously depends on how much data you have. It's like if you have a thousand existing customers and <clears throat> and you segment those down, then obviously your audiences will not be big enough to be, do any targeting based on that anyway. Um, yeah. So obviously you need you need customers in your base to be able to mm -hmm. actually do that and get something out of it. Um, but I think a lot of brands are missing out on the opportunity to actually test how they can use their own data to uh, to do that, um, yeah. because a lot of uh, a lot of brands already have that available. Yeah, and it also depends on the brand. It depends on the product they're selling. You know, mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of factors in there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's always cheaper to to retarget or you know get extra additional purchases, upsell. Mm yeah uh, existing customers but if you're not if you don't have that kind of a business then it doesn't make a lot of sense but but no, i no, do no. agree that uh you know like there's a lot of money left on the table usually and and maybe there's a lot of things that we just don't think of as in the brand as like something you can add in as an extra value add or things that mm. you can sell after the fact like maybe it's fridge cleaning services like mm. samsung like you know what i mean like maybe yeah, it's not yeah. a fridge yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not a fr new fridge every year, but maybe mm -hmm. it's, hey, you can buy our fridge and subscribe to our clean fridging, clean fridge service, which comes in every, you know, yeah. six months and does a cleaning for you um, and yeah. checks out all your, checks it out, make sure it's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a, there's a lot that you can do there in retaining customers that I think a lot of yeah. brands just don't, just don't even think about. Yeah, I guess it also can inform, it can inform you about your retention rate can also inform you about your product, right? Like directly, like if people, if you have a hard time retaining people or if the retention uh, lifespan is low, then it also tells you something about the product you have at hand and it's a room for improvement, right? And then you can actually strategize around that and optimizing that retention. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, agree. So... Nearing towards the end, I think uh, it's relevant to touch upon the new technologies we have, like AI. So given the speed of technology changes, the traditional marketing funnel, is it still relevant today in uh, in today's digital landscape, in your guys' opinion? Especially in the AI and data analytics part. Mm. 
Well, I think, uh, well, yes and no. <laughs> it kind of depends. I think what AI is, is going to... Anyway? Nobody knows what a funnel is. No, that like, I read an article that it's like, nobody, nobody actually follows that classic marketing funnel that agency have a tendency to try to explain that you need reach mm -hmm. to gain impressions, to gain clicks, to gain product views, to get mm -hmm. purchases. And obviously it works on a, on a, like a broad scale, it works like that. Um, but you can't optimize based on that because your customers doesn't, they don't interact with your brand like that. Um, mm. so it is like the, like, uh, like Google says, like a ceremonial truth, like it is a big sort of, a, a pile of, of interactions in different medias, um, physically word mm. of mouth. And, and at some point, one of those interactions will, will lead to a person buying a, a product. Um, so it's different if you're in B2B because then you can actually control that funnel very straight. Mm. Uh, um, ah, it's um, getting worse in B2B. I think it's like the funnel is kind of going away, but I do agree with you that I think it's just a conceptual thing that we think we think about, like in terms of, you know, showcasing that you have a large audience here and only so many purchases here. And, and mm. I think that's the only thing thing that it's really good for is just understanding that you have a total addressable market and then, you know, it just narrows down, narrows down for every sort of step within the purchase decision, but it doesn't do a good job of sort of explaining that that is a mm. little bit of an infinite loop and it is a, a little bit of a, you know, people don't go just down a funnel, they go up a funnel and they go outside of the funnel and then they come back in and then it's like, so it's not a very good sort of visualization of what actually goes on, but it is a good visualization no. of like, you've got so many people and then you're trying to get down to this, this smaller yeah, yeah. amount of purchase. We use right? like the infinity wheel to actually explain that the data that you get from your retention setup after the purchase is actually something that you can flow back into your acquisition setup. Um, but like, the model would be way too complex to actually understand if if you would actually say okay but people go in at first step and then they go in at the third step and then they look at the product at the five, fifth step but then they go back because you have a brand interaction um but but it's but you need to be able to explain that customers have a tendency to actually try and follow that funnel in some way um, I think it's best to indicate how some of these steps have a tendency to be missed out. So, so brands might have an opportunity to actually say, oh, but we do a lot of impression or reach targeted uh, brand advertising, um, but, but they might be missing out on, on pr product details or searches on Google for specific things on their product because mm. they might be image or or product driven in, in a sense that doesn't necessarily work for those type of interactions. Um, but okay. I agree that, yeah, it, it doesn't really work that way anymore or never has. But I mean, you guys are kind of saying it's everything everywhere all at once, right? But you don't think it's, uh, it's because of the digital, the social media. <laughs> That's because of the, the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, because <laughs> of the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
pun intended. Well, I think exactly, but I think obviously, well, when I was younger, like Google was maybe the only search engine. It was the only way you could interact with the brands. It was like you started at you started on Google looking for a product. You went to the website. Um, now I have. 15 different social media channels on my phone um, that obviously kind of want to interact with me and and brands will like to uh, to be able to put their products in front of me probably at the right time but sometimes it's not really it's not really doable um, but brands or customers will have interactions across all those platforms I, just think that there's a multitude of platforms that people use for different things um, yeah. that that affects this. Yeah. And it's really hard to pinpoint what was the tipping point. Like, what is the you know flow and like, okay, should we put more money in SEO? Should we put more money in TikTok? Should we put more money in ads? Should we put more money in billboards or TV? Like, it's really hard for anybody to sort of get to that sort of what is that ideal path to purchase and and I don't think you can, and I don't think we will. I mean, maybe we'll get to a place with digital media where AI will sort of sort out some of these things for us and crunch the crazy amount of data. But, you know, with like privacy, like we talked about before, like the access to platforms, I think that, you know, we will struggle a bit to actually put the pieces together unless it's like in our own site, dealing with our own customer data, dealing with, you know, that I think will have a hard time figuring out, you know, what to do exactly other than mm. just like you said, do everything everywhere. everywhere all, yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to kind of rolling up step back and putting all your money and all your eggs in the uh, in the in the platform basket and actually kind of owning the marketing that you do and the insights mm. that you have and let that come from the brand instead of having a dependency on on third party platforms being able to target your potential audience. Um, mm. And that obviously means that you will have to ask and you'll have to be interested in actually knowing how your customers are interacting with your brand. Uh, and that's obviously different than what we have been used to for the last five, 10 years, where you could basically just put more money and you get more sales, but you would have absolutely no idea where they actually came from. Mm -hmm. um, you will know that the platforms would probably retarget your competitors because you probably wanted to pay more to get a customer. Um, so they would actually kind of, kind of, what do you call that? Kind of say, okay, but this customer is likely to buy, but this brand is actually uh, interested in buying at a higher price. So we'll, we'll retarget on those interactions. Mm. And obviously from a brand perspective, that's not really uh, how you would want it to be. Um, you would want to own the entire funnel, right? For your customers. Um, yeah. But, but that doesn't, that doesn't exist um, anymore. Yeah. All right. I have one last question. Speaking of um, things that doesn't exist anymore, with uh, the rise of AI, do you think that it will replace? Does that not exist uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah, something. No, no. It will. It might be uh, that AI will replace something uh, in marketing, human market mm. marketers. I don't know certain skill sets. 
do you think there will be a change? I mean, we already see it now, right? And I think we've been at the agency, we've been contemplating a little bit about, you know, media buyers, whatever. Is that because, Chris, you said yourself, there's so much data and maybe AI will actually do a better job of crunching numbers, figuring out all these different kind of um, placements and yeah. whatsoever. Do you guys think that AI will make some marketers obsolete? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the end. Yes. <laughs> Mic drop. Yes. Yeah. yes. I, I mean, like, I, I do think that we're in trouble. I think that uh, I take a little bit of more of a pessimistic look at it. And I think maybe not that we're in trouble or that, that they'll go away, but that, that would, they need to evolve very quickly. Right. Because we're finding that, you know, for example, even on, like we talked about this morning with media buyers that, you know, optimizing Facebook ads, Mm. a lot of the time the algorithm and the AI just that that Facebook is employing is doing a better job than than a person can and can do it faster and, and that's troubling for anybody that's in the sort of social ad optimization game mm. um, so we got to get a little bit higher up in the in the evaluation helicopter and we got to get a little higher up and maybe the you know, what is the evaluating the output, evaluating what the algorithm is doing, maybe even like uh, be more like a media strategist and not necessarily a, a, a media optimizer or a paid social ad optimizer. So I think it's just going to be that you are more, you know, just up a little bit more strategically and, and can maybe be a little bit more uh, involved in what the AI is doing and what it's not doing and also being able to catch where like for example, Rasmus brought in that okay, but the platform is giving us purchases that maybe are a bit expensive because that's what the platform wants. Mm. Uh, a media buyer has to be able to sort of sort that out and and see okay, what is the place where this is benefiting the platform and not benefiting the brand and and making sure that you know. So that's where I would say that the media buyers will have to go. That's yeah, just one I agree. Example. <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's a perfect example. I think eight, like 80% of your like classic media buying will be AI driven or is already AI driven. Like you'll have formats today where you basically have one handle and that's just putting more budget in there. Um, but I think a lot of it boils down to what, to what type of quality of the creatives that you put in there as well. Um, and, and that will come from you actually owning the insights into who your customers are um but because yeah. ai is only as smart as what you put in there and the more like demographic and geographic and and interest data that you can actually put in there the more targeted an ai machine learning driven platform will be um and then there will always be like brands that can afford to basically start from zero and then let the AI figure out who the most potential customer is for X product. Um, and then I think like there's only like 10% of your actual media buying that need, will need to be like handheld um, yeah. in the future. It'll be the outside use cases where it's like you're almost doing things that are irrational, like you're doing things like, okay, we know, hey, we know that it's super competitive in this market for this product, or we know, for example, we don't have 
we have too much of this inventory. We have to get rid of this. So we have to do this. So it's the sort of irrational things or the, the 10% that an AI won't really understand what are you doing behind the scenes or what is the market dynamics here or what's the future look like for this brand? Because you as a marketer know, do you know what? We're not selling that much plant-based burgers because of this and that we better like, you know, push the plant-based burgers or, you know, or go after this. We know that people are more inclined to do this or that. Right. So it is a, it is that 10% use case, which irrational behavior that you have to optimize for in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting point. Thank you guys so much. I think uh, that's, uh, that's all for today. You guys were super sharp. Good, yeah, we did a second round. Last time, last yeah, time, exactly. Last time we just talked and talked. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't this care was about on the point. time, but this was, this was much better. Thanks, you. Very Good on job. point. Great. Thanks, yeah. Rasmus. We really appreciate it. And uh, for pleasure. those of you listening out there in podcast world, please like, subscribe, uh, share this with your friends. If you're interested in e-commerce, social media, marketing, want to get what's happening out there, this is the podcast for you. So please subscribe. And uh, yeah, and if you're interested in growing your social media, go to www.cubco.com, P-U-B-B-C-O.com. We help brands of all different sizes and shapes really kick ass on social. That's our bread and butter. So Mm. if you're thinking about that and say, hey, you know what, we need better social media, we're the guys and Rasmus, where can people connect with you and find you and, and uh, yeah, maybe utilize some of your amazing uh, brain and genius. Yeah. So basically go to factor DK. Um, we're an e-commerce uh, marketing agency focusing on getting brands, better retention, better data on their customers and growing their audiences and businesses. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Great. So and that's F A C T. Dot DK. DK. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Great. And they can find you on LinkedIn, I guess. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. They are welcome. More than welcome to uh, connect. One of those 15 uh, channels that's on your phone, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great. My cool. basically so my most used time. channel. Yeah. Is too. it? Okay, good. So LinkedIn is the place to, to message. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much Thank for you. joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Take care guys. Take care.